The world outside your window is not great right now, but here on Post Show Recaps, everything is super, and we've come here to bargain. Yes, I have broken free of the time loop uh, of multiple false starts of introductions here on the Everything is Super podcast. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by Kevin Mahadeo, uh, or uh, as we like to call him around these parts, Mr. Doctor. Mr. Doctor, I wish my father was Mr. Doctor. No, I wish my father was Mr. Doctor. I'd probably be in better financial straits, but... Uh, yeah, you can call me Mr. Kevin, I guess. Mr. Are we Kevin. Using our, are we using our superhero name? Sorry, then, that I'm, uh, I'm Spider Kevin. Uh, Mr. Doctor is not just the best part of Doctor Strange the movie by a landslide for me, outside of maybe the final battle, which we will get into. Um, it is one of the funniest moments in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, when Mads Mikkelsen, like, repeatedly refers to Doctor Strange as Mr. Doctor during like vital moments of tension <laughs> and like story building. Uh, and he's just consistently calling him Mr. Doctor with a straight face. It's really spectacular. I want to start with a compliment, Kevin, before uh, I, I go a different direction. <laughs> You're starting with the positives before we have. Yeah. To yeah. Like, yeah. I, it's so, I mean, look, here's the thing. There, there are positives in this movie. I will say there, there's a lot in this movie that I think is really good. And there's a lot in this movie that's not even necessarily bad, just kind of like boring and blah. I think the biggest tragedy. That's the problem. That's it is. the issue. And it's not that the movie is like lights out bad by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination, but it's kind of boring and blah. And here we are in phase three with Doctor Strange. How is this a boring and blah movie? That's a that's a huge sin that's been committed. I think yes, but I, I actually think there is reason it's boring and blah and like ultimately it's the first act is what's really boring and blah and the villain which is a very mcu problem but the the first act is boring and blah and i think the reason is because they decided to do an origin story for this guy like they decided that we need to see yet another origin story and unfortunately an origin story that's sort of played to death because it, it is very much. Oh, it's so bad. It's it's the it's the white dude from out like outsider oh. coming into another place to master that style and that art. And it is that's nice like, that at least they tried something unique here, right? You know, which part is the unique part? None of it. It's not. It's been done a thousand yes. times, a thousand times with like this exact character type. They're just trying to turn Doctor Strange into Magic Iron Man, and uh, it really is the future movies that Doctor Strange appears in. Where it feels like they they figure out how to move past that. That yeah, he's he's arrogant and yeah, he's like very specialized in his field and he is one of the very best there is at what he does, Wolverine style. Um, but he's not just like a billionaire playboy philanthropist on on the upswing. You know, like they find a way to make Doctor Strange feel different, um, like similar but different to Iron Man in Infinity War, especially. Um, but here in Doctor Strange. It's just a rush job version of the Iron Man journey. And yeah, and Cumberbatch is not able to sell the material at all. I, I don't know if I agree with that, but I, I do think that you definitely nailed something, right? Like Doctor Strange, outside of this movie, I think his appearance in Infinity War, his appearance in Endgame, he's really, really interesting, really compelling. We really, I really like him outside of this movie and halfway into this movie because I think what makes Doctor Strange work as a character is him being this smart, mysterious dude. It doesn't work when he's still learning everything. What we're seeing is him becoming this person that we're going to like. But the person we like is just not who we're seeing in this movie, unfortunately. You know, like we like the Doctor Strange in Infinity War who's talking about the different 
you know, possible outcomes. We like him being like, I can't, I can't tell you. It is. It's um, they really should have started this it's a waste of time with him as Doctor Strange. Um, this movie is a waste of time, Kevin. I don't know if the whole thing is a, a waste, waste of time. I wasted two hours of my life watching Doctor. Just Strange. use the time stone and back yourself back <laughs> up. And- <laughs> no, I'm I'm being harsh, but I'm being harsh for a couple of reasons. I'm being harsh because we're at Phase Three because Doctor Strange. There was so much hype for this character. Doctor Strange was. Um, a real uh this project was like a baby for Kevin Feige. He'd been hyping up Doctor Strange forever. Really wanted to get into into Doctor Strange territory. Uh felt very strongly about how that could open up the Marvel Cinematic Universe and not incorrectly so. Think all of that's very true and I I think that the the future directions for Doctor Strange um I'm very excited about where we could possibly go. But to to give us this boring ass origin story here at the top of phase three when you could just throw us into dr strange it's already been proven that we can do that black panther just showed up in civil war you know uh and he shows up and he's like basically fully formed and as a result of that um and even without that they probably could have still made black panther the movie and have this fully formed world that we're just being trusted that we will get um guardians of the galaxy did this right guardians of the galaxy you just like got rocked out into space and you're like oh i guess the marvel cinematic universe has space is it too much of a leap to be like oh i guess the marvel cinematic universe has magic in it or do we really need explainy explainy uh you know hold your hands jazz hands to to get us through the first phase of of the magical mcu i really don't think so but if we did need that why, why, Kevin, is Stephen Strange the point of view character? Why is it a Stephen Strange origin story? Why aren't we through the perspective of Rachel McAdams's character? Uh, which is, if you were, so if you're, if you like Doctor Strange, if you like this movie, and if you, if you like Doctor Strange's future appearances in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm not a huge Doctor Strange comic book guy, but one of my favorite comic books of all time is a Doctor Strange comic book, and it's the called Doctor. Doctor Strange, The Oath. And it's by Brian K. Vaughn, who is the writer of Why the Last Man, Ex Machina, Saga, worked on Lost for a couple of seasons. Paper Girls, which is just being Paper picked Girls, up by just, Amazon. It's going to be a TV show on Amazon. Uh, if you are tangentially interested in comic books and you don't read comic books, Brian K. Vaughn is a great place to start. Just incredible, incredible work. Um, illustrated by Marcos Martin. Uh, this this is, uh, is, is just like an incredibly beautifully vividly drawn uh comic book um just imaginative and a really wonderful way to present the doctor strange origin story without us having to like be like so sunk into the doctor strange origin and it's told very much through the perspective of i don't know if it's the same exact character but it's the night nurse right is the is the character who we're basically in the in the shoes of because doctor strange has been shot and is being taken to the night nurse to be uh, to to have surgery performed on him, and he is like guiding her through. How, well, it's crazy how we got here, like through his astral form, like he's astrally projecting, and like it's a detective story through that, and it's so good, and it's so right there. Marvel has adapted Civil War more or less. Marvel is effectively going to adapt Planet Hulk for Thor. Uh, Marvel has not shied away from from borrowing from the comics where it makes the most sense. Doctor Strange, the oath is right there. And that as a movie is ridiculous, Kevin. It would be 
an unbelievable first entry for Doctor Strange. He arrives fully formed. Why are we doing the uh, the commertage of it all? I just I I cannot handle this early grade Stephen Strange. is just one of my least favorite characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, I don't, I can't disagree with anything you said. Uh, the oath is phenomenal. Brian K. Vaughn, everything he pretty much writes is gold. Um, and it is weird. And like, I just, I feel like the reason is that even with Kevin Feige there, there is a like stigma, I think, to magic. I think people just either think magic is too childlike Magic is too nonsensical. We lose the audience if we yeah, play magic, magic doesn't too sell much. at all. Magic definitely doesn't make theme parks. Magic definitely doesn't make. Well, that's a that's a particular <laughs> magician who, you know. who pulled that off though, and I think that's but that is the detriment, right? Because when you do a movie like this, if you say it's the Marvel magic, you like there's a swath of people who might assume uh, Harry Potter. And just make that jump, have this weird idea of what magic is. And so there was, I can see, I don't agree with it. I think it's incorrect. But I think studios really assume the worst of people a lot of the times and what they are able to accept and comprehend. And thought like similar to that first Thor movie where it's like we have to introduce Asgard this way. Uh, they thought we had to introduce magic through the perspective of this character as he journeys through it. And unfortunately, it's it's a, it's a, it's a confluence of things. Like that is not great. Again, the white savior coming in trope is not great, especially right now. And that first act—that's your first intro into this movie. While I do think the second and third acts are very very strong, in almost the reverse of the Marvel Phase One curse, uh, that first act really sours this in a way. Like to a degree that is just like, man, I'm not invested enough. And by the time I get invested. I'm too tired to really fully invest, I think is like this weird journey you go through. Um, and it should have been, it should have been night nurse. Like you brought up Rachel McAdams and I feel like uh, I've said this, but like every episode, I feel like I have a soapbox to get up on, but, and this isn't so much as a soapbox, but like, man, Rachel McAdams, like Wasted. what, what Wasted. a waste of Wasted. Rachel McAdams. A waste. <laughs> but at the same point, I will say this before we delve into something else. It's sort of, unfortunately the like mo for actresses in the mcu from sharon carter to like you natalie portman there's so many female characters and unfortunately in the mcu get way especially talented actresses portraying those characters i mean you know i uh i was when watching this movie we've been keeping a running tally of a sort of like what movies have passed in the mcu the bechtel test yeah it's bad, Josh. Thor one and two have because of Natalie Portman and um and Kat Dennings because they talk about someone other than Thor briefly. Um, Iron Man three we are giving the slimmest of margins to because we think at some point uh, uh Pepper and I can't even remember her name. That's so messed up. But Rebecca uh, Hall's character, yes, Rebecca Hall's character, like talked about science and not about Tony. But again, like benefit the doubt. Uh, Guardians, sort of. They're like Gamora and and Nebula are talking about their upbringing, but that's still technically Thanos related. And that's it. That is it as far as like what is past the Bechtel test, and like that is sort of a bad situation. And I don't think there's a lot that's going to come up that's also going to be passing that Bechtel test at either. Um, so you have these wonderful, amazing actresses like Rachel McAdams, who was given so little to do in this movie specifically. And she's so talented. She's so great. Like Rachel McAdams, even in this role, she's still so good, but she just doesn't have anything to really do. And I have to say, 
as an actress, even beyond this movie, Rachel McAdams deserves so much more than to be the girlfriend and wives of time travelers. She has <laughs> done this is the fourth movie, the fourth movie where this has happened. She was in she was in uh Time Traveler's Wife, she was in About Time. She was in Midnight in Paris, and now Doctor Strange. She has done this four times, and the book is playing with uh, some time travel-y. I mean, that that's that's about the linear storytelling. This is literal time travel <laughs> happens in these four films. Literal time travel, and like it's like make her the time traveler. What's crazy yeah. is that she's so talented beyond this type of stuff too. Like I really, really like her. Like Rachel McAdams. Like Mean Girls, people talk about that. Her comedic chops are out of control. Even beyond Mean Girls, if you have not seen Game Night. Watch Game Night. It's She's a good movie. So it's fun. funny in that movie, and she just yeah, it's just so sad that like she was so good in the few scenes she's in, but she gets wasted because if they had done the oath, if she ended up being Night Nurse, you could have done so much more with this character, so much more with this actress. To have an actress that good in the MCU, and this is where she is now. Like wh- like this is her role. Like what else is she gonna do? I mean, they could cast her, recast her. I don't even no, know. No, no, no. That's over. That's done. It's yeah, done. it's. It's sad. It's unfortunate. I hope they give her more to do in the second movie, but not just as his girlfriend either. Well, actually, you know what? I will give props to that. I I will say I'll give props to this thing where I appreciated that there wasn't a heavy romance element. They had dated. They broke up. They weren't a couple. They were friends uh, like that. That sort of like tensious relationship you have with an ex. If you say friends with them, that was prevalent. And I actually really like that. I like that there wasn't too much of the usual Marvel any romantic comedy, like the usual beats we keep seeing with that. I like that that wasn't in this movie. Um, so those are some of the good things ish mixed with a bad, bad thing where it's like a misuse of that cast. Um, but that's an, <sighs> so, so beyond that, I think one of my big issues with this movie is I, I really don't give that much of a shit about anybody in it. Um, and that, that really lasts basically the entire movie. Tilda Swinton is is great as the ancient one, even though that's a whole can of worms for sure and worth getting into. We should um, open those can of worms. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. I definitely want to get into that. Um, I don't care about Mordo at all, man. I don't care about Mordo at all. I I really love Benedict Wong and I love what they do with Wong and in Infinity War and in Endgame. He's great. But like, I, I don't love Wong as sort of like the butt of these very, very badly delivered Beyonce jokes. Uh, some of the worst punchlines, uh, some of the worst joke delivery in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe is Benedict Cumberbatch going like, what is it, Beyonce? Come on, you don't know Beyonce? She's so good. Uh, I thought he delivered that line good for what it was. <laughs> awful. It's awful. It's just so bad. And I think that like there's there, there's high variance in the ratings for this movie. Uh, we do the Infinity Stone rankings. We have everybody send in their scores. It's a lot that it goes as high as like really high fives. It goes as low as like mid twos. There's a lot of variance on this, and I suspect that there's probably a lot of variance on like your level of satisfaction with Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange in this movie. I'm on the lower end. He wins me over later on in the MCU, um, but I'm I'm just really low on the characters in this movie. They're just so thinly drawn to me. And I, and I think that that is probably to some degree. And I love Mads Mickelson, uh, generally speaking. And he has some really funny moments here that elevate him. And I like the design of him that elevate him, uh, beyond, uh, a lot of the, the same villains that are in this stratosphere. But this is like 
Caecilius is in like a certain section of Marvel Cinematic Universe villains. Like I'm rating him a little bit higher because I think he has one of the best, funniest jokes of the whole thing. I think like this sort of like death cult character is kind of cool. Um, but he's just so thinly drawn as well. It's just, it's a lot of like really great, talented people in here who are not being given like anything to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. Generally speaking, I agree that like a lot of them were not given things to do. I do think, you know, to break down two of them that you just mentioned, I think Mads Mikkelsen is, uh, he has funny moments, but the character as a villain isn't really compelling enough, I think. Um, it falls prey to something I've mentioned time and time again in our podcast. And, you know, it's just, if your villain is really the villain of your mentor figure, he's not your villain. Um, and I think that's that's a fault here. I do think Dormammu is way more interesting than Cassilius is. I think Dormammu and that Elder Gods type style villain that we will see almost an ego, I think is really compelling and really interesting, of course, leading into that amazing final fight. I do think, you know, because of that, like the villain suffers. I think Mads Mikkelsen, unfortunately, is almost forgettable as the villain because, again, he just falls prey to like the same stuff. He, he's a magic person like the hero. He, you know, except he's he's not really the hero's villain. He's the mentor villain. So like the hero really doesn't have a connection to this person at all. Um, the person he does have a connection to. And I think this is where we diverge a little bit, Josh, is that I actually think Mordo is one of the more compelling characters in this movie. I think Shitwell is your four. You could such a good job. You could say that and it's still not saying much for me. It's still not saying much. You're right. But like that scene where uh, after the battle in the sanctum and him and stranger arguing for the first time is really well done on both those actors parts. I felt the emotion conveyed by both of them in that argument. The argument felt real. It felt natural. I also feel like Mordo is an interesting character and villain in that his villainy one isn't obvious. I think, you know, for people who have read the comics like you and I, him becoming the villain, which he doesn't actually in the movie proper, is really, really, I think, handled well. We see that character's journey. It makes sense. He's just a stringent person who believes in a very, very black and white right is wrong world. And he is a person who, if you're so good and so stringent on right and wrong, this is what you can end up becoming. I actually think they did a good job about that. And I think that it's a genuine surprise in that post credit scene. If you don't know that turn is coming, it's a surprise. There was a number of people who I who I who I know who do not know the comics. And when that post credit scene happened, they're like, oh my God. Like right. it's a surprising moment, but it's a sensible moment. I thought it was handled so much better than like Sinestro in Green Lantern, who is also named Sinestro. So it is really difficult to hide the fact that that man is gonna become evil. Wait, but- wait, wait, wait. That guy Sinestro is sinister? Really? Right? What? He's also what? left-handed? What? Anyway, not that left-handed people are evil, but that is a thing that, you know, that was incorporated into comics back when people did very, very... Stop trying to explain your way out of this corner you've backed yourself. My into. sister is left-handed. How dare you? Um, left-handed Twitter is coming at you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I do think the Mordo stuff was handled well in terms of that character journey. But as you said, it doesn't say a lot for the movie as a whole. Um but yeah, I, I think if we're talking about Shitwell's War, I think if we're talking about Benedict Wong and all of it, I think it, we should open up the can of worms. But honestly, I'd love to talk about all of the casting as a whole because I think they're all tied together. Like we can start with the Tilda Swinton of it all. Um, but, uh, you know, I have do it. Do it. Go to give, give me give me what's on your mind. Well, do you want to like give, I guess, the audience a rundown of this backstory? So the backstory is the ancient one is a character from, from the comics. Uh, and, uh, there was a feeling that the ancient one as depicted in the comics was like 
pretty racist uh, and would be like kind of racist to depict on screen. Uh, this is a, a quote from Scott Derrickson, the director of the movie from 2016 in a Vanity Fair article where he said, the ancient one in the comics is a very old American stereotype of what Eastern characters and people are like. And I felt very strongly that we need to avoid those stereotypes at all costs. Uh, shout out to Torby Frazier for putting this together for us. Um, uh, Scott Derrickson didn't give Torby Frazier a, a shout out. That, that, is, that is from me to Torby. Um, and so the, the character was ri- written for the movie specifically with Tilda Swinton in mind, uh, that the character was always going to have this Celtic origin and that the reason behind it was to like sidestep this sort of uh, this murky territory from the character's origin. Um, Kevin Feige added this, uh, who said to, to Entertainment Weekly as well, if you look at some of the early incarnations of the ancient one in the comics, they are what we would consider today to be quite sort of stereotypical. They don't hold up to what would work today. And I think that there's a lot of sentiment behind that of like, Oh, cool. So you, you just decided not to try at all. Uh, feels like there is, there is that feeling behind the ancient one. And it's tricky because on one hand, like Tilda Swinton rocks <laughs> you know, on one hand, Tilda Swinton is incredible. But on the other hand, um, it does feel like there was a challenge on the field that was rejected. Like the way that, that the challenge was approached was to ignore the challenge's existence. Uh, and to not take it on. Uh, let's just do something completely, completely different. Um, when a, a really important, um, you know, a really important character, a really amazing piece of inclusion, um, could have, could have gone down here and instead a totally different direction was taken. So, yes, that is, I will say, the official record, right? Time to put on some tinfoil hats, Josh. Um, so here's the situation, uh, in a couple of levels. One, I think the idea of the ancient one is sort of a racist character at the time um, is valid, right? That was my problem with the Mandarin. Um, if they had done the Mandarin as portrayed in the comic, I think that still stands. I think if they had done that, it would have been a racist character, but they could have still tried it and they could have done it right. Maybe if he wasn't fighting Tony Stark. Um, and that was the big pr- issue, right? Like the big issue with the Mandarin is that the white guy is fighting the stereotypical Asian character. This is not the case here. That would have been, it would not have been, the, the white guy against the stereotypical Asian character. Um, so that sort of negates that part of it. I think, again, with the Mandarin, when they still lean into a stereotype by making the brown guy a terrorist, but then I love, that's why I love the subversion. We talked about that. You could have still done it here. You still could have cast an Asian lead and you still could have had them not be a stereotype because you just have to don't write them that way. Just don't do that. Right. Um, you could have, you could have accomplished it on a few levels. The other part of it that I obviously don't know if it's accurate, but a tinfoil hat theory on the internet that to me sort of holds a little bit of water because again, you could have tried is that in the comics, and I could be corrected, uh, but the ancient one is essentially Tibetan and a lot of money for these movies come from China. And if you had a character who was Tibetan in a major Marvel movie, there may have been issues. Yeah. That is a theory that's running. Is that true? No idea. No idea. I don't, I, I don't think it's that true. I don't think there's like heavy, heavy, heavy credence to it. Maybe there's a little bit of bucket to that water or water in that bucket. But in my opinion, all of that sucks. 
on every level. If the if the thing about Tibet is true, that sucks. If the thing about not trying is also true, that sucks. There's no doubt in my mind that the behind the scenes stuff about that casting does suck. But as you said, and I think this is the part where it's interesting, is that looking at this movie outside, <laughs> exactly outside of that perspective, if we just look at this movie to, in my opinion, on the casting that we have, they're great. Tilda Swinton is really, really good yeah. in this movie, and she's incredible in Infinity War. I liked her in this in movie. Endgame. Yeah. I sorry, in Endgame, I loved her in Endgame. Her appearance yeah. in Endgame was one of my favorite parts, and it's so weird because I wasn't that invested in that character, but she's so incredible in her delivery and style and everything she does. Um, and I mentioned, I think Chitwell Isherpour is great. Benedict Wong's great. The other, Rich McAdams is great. Um, so that part of this, like that behind the scenes stuff is really complicated. We'll never know the truth. And again, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just putting out there the, th- the things people are saying between like Scott Derrickson saying, you know, it would have been a racist character, which he's right. That is true. They could have tried to work around in another way. Whether or not the like you know uh, uh, Tibetan part of it comes into play, I do not know. And the only way we can do to look at this as it is as a movie, though, is not the behind the scenes stuff in this regard, right? Like, look at the cast as what we got, and the cast did great. The other one, you know, to bring up is that there was a lot of controversy about Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, there was rumors about like Pedro Pascal getting this role, and I think. I don't think te- I don't think there were like heavy ones. I would have loved that. Oscar Isaac was apparently in Oscar the mix Isaac. As well. Yeah, um, there were some there were some interesting people who were in the mix for Doctor Strange. Um, uh, <laughs> Walking Phoenix apparently uh, for a long time was considered the front runner for for the part. Can you even imagine? Uh, I mean, he would have quit. He would definitely <laughs> he would not have continued on. We would have had to uh, to Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo would have had to step in and play that character as well. Uh, he that been simultaneously hilarious. Hulk and Doctor Strange. Um, Ewan McGregor was mentioned for it. Justin Thoreau, who I would have loved to see as Doctor Strange. This is unpopular, Kevin. But it is. But, but I think I'm not. I'm not the world's biggest Benedict Cumberbatch fan. I'm just not. I'm just. I mean, I, I I would love to know. I guess why he's been saturated. Right? He's everywhere. That's and it. I do, I, but that's not a, to me. That's not a reason to 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 judge this movie and his portrayal in it. I, I do think the outside. It's a piece often, of it. It's hard. It's hard to separate that he is intrinsically tied to uh, my least favorite modern movie twist, uh, which is the Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, here, this guy's John Harrison. He's definitely not Khan. Yep. It, it definitely wouldn't matter if we told you he was Khan. In fact, you might just get more excited if we were cards up and told you that this is the character. Uh, and it's not his fault, but there's just this, there was this thing about Benedict Cumberbatch where he was just like constantly being like fan casted for everything. And so Benedict Cumberbatch winning this role just felt very easy to me. Uh, like it felt like very easy casting to me where I think that even with Dr. Strange as a character, this is a way where we could have, Interesting things could have happened. Pedro Pascal would have killed it uh, in this role. Um, Oscar Isaac would have killed it in this role. And not that that Cumberbatch doesn't, not only eventually in Infinity War and and what he's in for Endgame, but even in this movie. You know, the Dormammu stuff and like basically from the moment that he gets to be truly Doctor Strange and onward, he's very good. He's also literally Dormammu. Uh, He is the motion capture and the voice for (laughs) Dormammu. 
That's uh, funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. So in all of those scenes, he is fighting himself. He is like bargaining with himself. Uh, so he's a very talented guy, obviously. He's just not my like preferred cup of tea. And I, and I do think that like fandom is, is wrapped up in that. I, I do think that that is a, that is a piece of it. And I cannot be, um, you know, fully objective beyond that. Uh, I think that that is a, that is a bias that I carry towards the actor that fairly or unfairly, I, I just, I possess it. I know I possess it. Yeah, but like, and again, I I feel like that is that bias, and I feel like, like you, the outside factors for a lot of people color uh, the view of Benedict Cumberbatch in this role. I mean, would Oscar of Isaacs or Petro Pascal been like amazing? Yeah, probably. Yeah, they'd be great. That's not what we got, and I feel like, but that disappointment colors how we looked at Benedict Cumberbatch in this role. Because again, yes, the first part of it is boring because he's playing a boring situation. I think he's just not he well suited for that stuff. Yeah. Wasn't even well suited. I don't think anyone could have pulled off those moments. The way that it's written in that first act, I don't think Oscar Isaacs or Pedro Pascal could have done better because the, the the way it's written and the way it's paced and the way that what we're watching isn't compelling. And you could be the most charming person in the world, but like ultimately it's not going to hook you enough to, I think, pull you into that first act. And looking at the rest of the movie where he gets to finally be an interestingly rewritten character, he does kill it. I think his acting is so good in this role and especially when we see him later once he's able to act as the character in a different light we really get that 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 amazing portrayal from him and i think again it comes down to the actors in this movie like benjamin bratt is only in here briefly and i still think he's <laughs> really good and i think you know he's playing Such basketball an and i'm casting. yeah i'm well it's because he had to play basketball and he had experience of doing that with catwoman so they were just like him oh, obviously true, 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 um, true, true, true. but no yeah. i i think the acting across the board is really really good it's just the actors are not given a ton to really really play and stretch with they are at points and you really see it shine but i just feel like actors can do a good job to bring out a role if you get the right actor and benedict Cumberbatch ultimately is a good actor he's a really good actor like Look at, you know, look at uh, Suicide Squad, right? Like, let's let's just look at that. You have a movie that is what that movie is, but you put a right actor, a very talented actor in a role, like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, you have a standout performance in that film. And I think you get that with, like, Rachel McAdams in this, which is a super small role, but she's she's incredible. Uh, versus, like, you know, no offense, but, you know, Cara Delevingne, not great as Enchantress. And you could have someone who could maybe bring a little bit more to that role who has, like, the range of acting chops. But like instead, we don't get it. And I think in this movie, there's a lot of Margot Robbie's in here. It's just unfortunately, the, the, the setting around it isn't bad like Suicide Squad, but is sort of just kind of like, eh, all right. Until yeah. we get to that second act. Until we get to that second act. We keep dancing around this, but there are awesome things. The moment the Sanctum Sanctorum fight happens, you're just like, oh, wow. These are this is great. Like the and movie the visuals, is more or less cooking with with gas at that point. The visuals are great. Like it's it's superhero inception. You know, I think is sort of like the easy shorthand on it that it's like reality folding in and and onto itself. Uh, and yeah, if if it's not like outright unique, if it's not outright like uh, unprecedented stuff, it's still very cool to look at. And and it is, um, I think, folded in uh, both literally in the context of the movie, but uh, it's folded into the the style of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, in really exciting ways, Benedict Cumberbatch getting like snapped across time and reality. Like, if you, if you stop down and study like all the stuff that happens in that scene when he first comes to Carmitage, like it's really, really uh, like very compellingly choreographed. Like his eye, like he's like going up against like, like he's trying to like hang on to his own eye as he's getting sucked into the iris. Like all, all of that is is really, really neat. 
Um, and I and I do think that once you get into the to the Sanctum Sanctorum fight and onward, that's when um, when the cape is becoming a character. <laughs> the cape, <laughs> you know, the 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 carpet to Doctor Strange is Aladdin. Yeah, I was actually, it's funny because I was trying to think. Maybe the best character in the movie. <laughs> it might be, but like, I was trying to think when this became a thing, right? Like, when does an inanimate object acting like a, a dog basically become a thing? Because like, Doctor Strange does it and Stargirl is currently do it with the, with the cosmic staff. Um, but it is like carpet. I feel like carpet is the thing. It's, it's a quote, the quote, a, a TikTok, uh, basically that, that makes the round is just like, you know, carpet from Aladdin, uh, walked. He strutted his stuff, Mama, so that this bitch could run. Like, <laughs> like the cape exists because of carpet, and it's really fun. We loved carpet in Aladdin, so naturally we'll like it here. It's a weird choice, but like, it's hard not to enjoy it because it provides such comedic beats. Like, it's just that when it's wrapping itself around the guy and beating him to death, basically. Like, there's a lot in there that's really fun with this cape, um, and I think that also elevates the film. Like. That's the part though, right? Like, that's the thing. We wanted this from moment go. Like, if he was just this dude with his cape and his eye of Agamotto, it would have been fine. Like, we could have jumped right in. But this is when the movie picks up. Like you said, I think it's cooking with gas because we're finally getting what Doctor Strange actually is as a character and what separates him from stuff we've seen before, not just in the MCU, but elsewhere in other uh, entertainment and other stories. Yeah. You say, you know, acts two and three, but is, is that accurate? Like, I, I would love to know what's the time, what's the time stamp on when this movie starts to turn towards the better. And I, I would bet that it is at, at earliest halfway, uh, is, is when this is going through, but I, I don't have it in front of me. So I, I, I don't know off the top of my hand. It certainly feels like it's a very, very, very long and slow and arduous watch. And then suddenly it's not. Suddenly it's really exciting. And again, to like start pivoting towards the things that I love about this movie, because believe it or not, there is stuff that I love about this movie. Uh, Michael Giacchino's score, for instance, is one of the best scores in the MCU up to this point. Your boy. Um, my boy, of course. I'm going to, I'm going to go to bat for, for Michael G anytime that I can. Um, but I don't feel like I have to like, you know, put on just like get myself on the lost soapbox here like he earns every ounce of credit that he gets very uh, accurate it's just the the instrumentation is just so 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 good the closing credits uh music is is really one of the most pleasurable pieces of music in the mcu to listen to um but this movie contains what i'm gonna argue is through the movies that we've seen so far kevin when we get to our battle rankings i think it's the third best of the final battles it's unlike anything. It's so clever. Unlike anything. It's, it is, it's, it's, it's very cleverly done. It's very, very cleverly done. Um, and once like you activate into this stuff, like the movie does go quickly. Uh, like when there's like the astral battle on the operating table, like that's a really cool fight scene too. Um, I, I think like, look, the, this is a podcast that's, that's swiftly turning into like, I could see like the, the critiques of it and like the, the meta commentary about it is like, you're just wishing this was a movie that it's not instead of assessing it as the movie that it is. It's like, okay, point taken, point taken. But if we're not here to, to air our grievances and our fan fiction desires, then why are we here, folks? Uh, it's certainly a piece of the, the fun for me. Um, but I, I think that this is a movie and a universe and a character that really could survive under the strain Strigoi of just being launched into this world and launched into this character as a given with an entry point character who is having to catch up with Dr. Strange. I think Dr. Strange having to catch up with the world is just 
it's not fun. Like that's just not, that's not very fun. So once he's caught up, it's, and once he's starting to like get really creative and, you know, applying his genius intellect to this new art that he is deciding to devote himself to, that's when the movie starts getting really, really good. Um, yeah, coulda, shoulda, woulda, and like, why, why hang on that too much? Well, because it's the sort of the purpose of the podcast. And I, and I think that in the coulda, shoulda, woulda universe of this, um, a version of Doctor Strange where we are launching into Doctor Strange with that stuff from the jump. Um, I think that this is probably, Look, if it's if it's the quality of Doctor Doctor Strange, the Oath, the comic book as a movie, this is a top ten Marvel movie, um, and that is like it, that choice to make this an origin movie is a huge piece of what cheapens the side characters and why they don't have nearly enough to do. Why Strange himself as a character doesn't really work, um, and that separates this from being potentially a top ten Marvel movie to for me being a declarative bottom ten Marvel. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. And like, you know, the we're judging the movie on what it could have been versus what it should have been. I think that's so fair, though. We're looking at what is there and like critiquing the the unfortunate. I mean, like this movie is different and a bit weird because I feel like ultimately what we're feeling is that it's not even that we dislike this movie. It's like we're disappointed in it because we know it's capable (laughs) of so much better. Yeah, it is. Because we, we know that this movie is capable of so much better. This world and this character is capable of so much better. And I think uh, it's so weird because uh, that excitement, that potential, I feel like now that we've gotten over this hump, I'm actually so insanely excited for the sequel of this movie, more so than most other Marvel movies. That's crazy for a movie that I felt kind of like, yeah, it's okay. It exists. Um, To be so excited for the sequel is kind of really disproportionate. But as you said, instead of also continuing the negative, I agree about the ending of this movie, especially the ending fight is so unique, not just the Dormammu part. I think the visuals of the fight leading up to that, where they're fighting, you know, um, Cassilius and, and, and his, and his Al- acolytes um, is really cool. Cause you have this time reversal going on while they're fighting. I think that's visually cool and visually unique. And again, takes advantage of, the, of, of that, um, that environment in a really cool and unique way of having them get sucked into walls, having them get put inside the, the, the aquarium as it fills back up. There are all these really cool elements that play into that final fight that feel really interesting and feel really unique. Um, and it stands really high. I think, unfortunately, the, the part that does suffer in that part of it, before the Dormammu part, is that I wish we cared more about the person that they were fighting, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the unfortunate part, is that we don't care as much about the the people that he's fighting. Um, then that sort of does attract it a little bit. Um, but, like, all those visuals are really cool. All the stuff with the Eye of Agamotto is really cool. Like you said, the, the the astral plane fight is really awesome. There's a lot of really cool stuff in this movie, specifically with the visuals that I think keeps it from being bottom bottom, um, you know, a- along with some other ones and keeping and just kind of keeps it bottom mid. Um, but the potential is there. And I think that's I don't know. That's the part we're getting hooked on. Right. Like the, our, our disappointment is that we know that it could be better because we've also have seen the better version of that character and his portrayal um, coming into the future. Totally. Uh, totally. Which is, which is weird, which is weird because like a lot of the other characters I feel are fully formed. And I don't know, I think also people are just done with origin stories. Like, yeah, I don't think that they, I, I think, I think you can trust your, your, your viewer, your reader. Like, I think you can trust the person who, who is engaging in your story to pick up your story. As long as it's like, I was gonna say as long as it's like cleanly told and 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 I guess what I mean by that is like it's it's told excellently, right? Like tell your story excellently. We'll pick it up. We'll figure it out. Like tell it to the best of your ability and we'll figure it out. Don't don't feel like like we don't ever need to see Bruce Wayne's parents die again. 
but here's the thing, Josh, we're gonna, because like, you know what? <laughs> I know, of course. I, of course. This is, I was actually going to bring up this comparison because like, we don't see Uncle Ben die because we don't need to because they are aware of the situation. In every version of Batman, we keep seeing the Waynes get murdered. We know how it happens. We got it. Like, I'm really looking forward to uh, everything is baddie. Uh, our, <laughs> our Batman-centric follow-up to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Instead of ranking Stanley cameos, is ranking Wayne deaths, which is the best Wayne death on Oh, film. that's funny. That's funny. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a ton of Batman out there. I mean, that, that could so much sustain, Batman. That could sustain a, a, th- a two to three month podcast series for sure. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, if we're just focusing on films alone, there's so many <laughs> that yeah, exist without yeah. even touching TV at all. There's how many, there's, there's the four, there's the two Burton, then there's the Joel Schumacher's, and there's the three Nolans. Yes, it's four, the three Nolans, the Adam West. Adam um, West, there's the Batman the, v Superman. Batman v Superman. Do we count Justice League? Does that count? Do you count Suicide Squad? Because isn't isn't Batman in that for five seconds? For like for a hot second, it's a Batman verse, I guess. But then do if you we count do that, Joker? Like, I'm about to say if we do that, we have to watch the Joker, and I don't know yeah. if I want to do that. <laughs> uh, have you seen it yet? No, and yeah, I don't. Right. I mean, yeah. I'll do it for the podcast, but yeah. I I am not actively seeking out to watch Joker. No. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I do think like the the we're done with the origin. We don't need it anymore. We got it. We figured it out. The origin, yeah. the, you know, you became the thing. Now show me you being the thing. I want to see the thing. And the origin just had like the, the very Pat Oswalt uh, right there. I don't know if you were quoting him, but that's that's his like that's a bit he does. Um, but like, yeah, I you know, I think origins can be good if it's saying something new. And most of the time it's not. Most of the time origin stories are sort of just wrapped up in the familiar beats. But you got to add something interesting and unique and different to it and you can have that there's superhero stories that i think play with it um i can't think of any immediately off the top of my head because most of the ones that come to mind are you know based on dc comics and 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 marvel but um there's stuff that 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 does or the origin of a superhero and that can mess around with it and do it really interesting um and you just got to really find that and it's hard to do in something like this because these are pre-established characters so yeah i think that's the issue ultimately is that when you have a pre-established character with 80 years of history just maybe we don't need to see the origin that much I think another thing that makes me mad is I keep thinking about Mickelson. Well, I keep thinking about <laughs> I keep thinking about Jasper Sitwell on that stupid roof. I'm like, we're watching all of you, <laughs> Stephen Strange. Stephen Strange isn't even a thing yet, man. <laughs> this movie shows you that he's not even a thing. But he's a medical genius, so they were concerned with what Stop he's capable it. of. He's like the second person you bring up. <laughs> uh, so like, I just get mad about stuff that you know it's probably not worth getting mad about. And I'm sorry if this is like one of your favorite Marvel movies. Uh, look, I would, I, I think that this movie for me is like a firmly middle of the road movie where the things that are great about it are so great that it prevents it from being an outright bad movie. But the things that are boring about it are what will keep me from watching it if I see that it's on TV. Like Doctor Strange is one of those movies in the MCU. That I think almost uh, certainly the majority of movies in the MCU, if I'm flipping through channels or if I'm bored and I'm just thinking of like, all right, well, let me put something on one of these streaming services on. I'm going to watch a Marvel movie. Uh, I guess the, the metaphor doesn't really hold up as easily there. If it's flipping through channels and a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie is on, I am very likely to put it on with a few exceptions. And Doctor Strange would be an exception for me just because I think it, it, it is... It is boring at when it's when it's boring. It's boring to the point of being unpleasurable. I think that now that the origin story is done, and now that we have seen through the Avengers movies that there is so much potential in the character in the world. He's got the rapport with Wong. Um, I'm curious to see how deeply they go into the Mordo stuff. 
moving forward. Um, we have on the board, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is going to be the sequel to this movie. It's going Woo. to be coming out at some point um, in, the, in, the, in the future. We have no idea what that looks like. Uh, Sam Raimi is directing it, I believe. Uh, which is awesome because he's obviously very proven in the superhero arena through the Spider-Man movies that he did. Uh, but he is also a horror master. Uh, so if this is going to like really lean hard into the horror aspects, uh, Sam Raimi is, is inheriting Doctor Strange, which already has such a, a specific visual language. I think one of the things that Sam Raimi does so well is his, his creature effects that, that like his creature work is really incredible. His sound design and his instincts for sound design are some of the best instincts in that arena from any filmmaker that I can think of off the top of my head. So given what we see of the potential of this character, the fact that there is an incredible cast in place for this movie, um, that Elizabeth Olsen is going to be pulled in to, to play Scarlet Witch uh, in, uh, in, in this movie as well, in the sequel that's been announced as well, um, is I think that there are so many reasons to believe that that movie might be really, really special. Um, so if a fairly average first movie has to exist so that a really special movie can come up later on, look no further than Thor and Thor Ragnarok, right? Like Thor is whatever. Thor is a totally whatever movie. It's passable. Doctor Strange is passable and I'm angrier at it because I don't feel like we should be doing passable movies at this point in the MCU. Let's just do great movies at this point. But it's a passable movie, and if its sequel is anywhere in the vicinity of a leap from Thor to Thor Ragnarok, uh, then you know I will listen back to on this podcast with some fondness, some nostalgia of like, remember when I said Doctor Strange sucks, but the Multiverse of Madness was like the craziest, most amazing movie I've ever seen. I hope for that day, very, very much, Kevin. Well, it's it's fine placement, right? Because I believe Thor one and two are at bottom of the barrel almost here for us, and yet I'm pretty sure when we get to it, Ragnarok is going to be a whole other you know game uh, in that situation, not ball game because we're not going to be playing those again anytime soon, considering what just happened with the with the Marlins. But um, you know, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and I think that leap is going to be fine with me too. Like if we had to if we had to have this movie, which again is so weird because here we are talking so much bad about it but there's still so much good stuff yet in there it's like again that there's just like oh i see the potential it's like man of steel for me there's a good movie in there somewhere just you know we didn't get a lot of it um yeah it's 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 a similar situation it's like that that you know almost disappointment but again there's there's a lot of good stuff i mean even the stuff that people were negative about like i said the tilda swin thing like it's crazy because you know, I'm like, she's great. And Tilda Swinton, I always like Tilda Swinton. But like Constantine was, I think, one of the first things I saw her in. And I was just like, oh my God, this person's amazing. Um, and in everything since, she's been phenomenal. Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, I, I think is great in this role. Chidwell uh, for like uh, all the acting is really good. The action and visuals are great. We kind of touched on it too, but like that Dormammu thing, that time loop, that Groundhog's Day that he pulled out to do that, I thought was so well done. Like, they set up such a smart thing with that, like, oh, it's a place where there is no time. And he's just like, oh, interesting. Like, that's that's so smart. That's smart for the character. It shows us what that character is really like, the intelligence of him to do something like that, the sacrifice he's willing to make to die over and over and over again, like a doctor, you know, like, to do the, 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 the like, not do harm to <laughs> others, do harm to, like, you're willing to do harm to, your, you put yourself yeah. in harm. Like, right it. now, you're putting yeah. yourself in harm to help other people. Um, yeah. 
I think there's just something that resonates about that as well. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of great stuff in that it's ending. So battle. creative. Like, it's so, so creative. creative. So it's creative. great. It's really, it's really, really, really uh, excellently written. Um, it, for me, and I, I, it's funny that you didn't know this. Uh, so I, I love you discovering this now because I think it adds to it. It's like that's Cumberbatch versus Cumberbatch. Uh, and, and I, it does make me like him more. <laughs> right, because he's a good actor, Josh. This you is know? my point. He's no, I'm aware. Actor. I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm annoyed. I'm grumpy. Uh, I have to I have to get past that, and that is something that I hope to get past. And he helps me through it in Infinity War. He's such a great part of Infinity War. Yeah. I don't um, think he's done comedy. That's actually an interesting one. I think he's a good dramatic actor, and I think he's done a lot of action and stuff with uh, or certain stylized of it. But I don't think I've seen him do comedy. And that's where it comes to that thing about, like, I've seen people tweet about before, where it's like, Rachel McAdams could be Doctor Strange, but Benedict Cumberbatch couldn't be in Game Night. Like, which yeah. is, which, you know, the range of them. But again, I still think he's a really good actor, though. I wonder I if that's him. true, though. I, I bet you could throw him in a comedy and he could be really good. It's just, it would depend on the role. Yeah, um, it would. I would love to see someone do that. Some like, of give the some Tony Starkisms he just does not have the range for. And they really try to make him Tony Stark in the first portion of the movie. And that is not this guy. Like, it's, it's not. just incompatible. It's incompatible. Um, because the final battle of this movie, Kevin, is dealing with the wonkiness of time uh, and the wonkiness of, of, of structure, uh, how about we, we get a little weird with our structure as well? Why don't, we're there already. We're talking final battle. Uh, Kevin and I, we go through feedback. We'll get there. We'll get some feedback on the board before we close things out. But we also do rankings. We do the Infinity Stone rankings where we rank the movies. We rank the bad guys. We rank the post-credit scenes. And then Kevin and I also do these informal rankings. We do the Stan Lee cameo rankings. I'm going to say this one is the worst Stan Lee cameo. It's literally just him yeah, on a like bus. Half a second. Yeah, not, not very great. It's him on the bus. I think this is a very easy dead last ranking. Um, but then the final battle ranking. This is a top three final battle as far as I'm concerned so far. You know, what we're I, dealing with right now is the Avengers, Captain America, Civil War, Avengers Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, and Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And I would argue for Doctor Strange at number three cut as it is so unlike anything we have ever seen and really, really, really smartly done. I don't disagree. I think it, it, it's hard. I'm trying to jump between it and Age of Ultron because I think both those movies pass a number of tests. I think, I think Doctor Strange excels for the uniqueness of it all. Um, you know, again, with the playing with the time and doing with the environment, it, it passes the action scene test to me. Um, the one thing that I think is, is lacking is, of course, the like I said, the, the when he's doing when they're fighting Casilius, it's just not that compelling emotionally, which is what makes Civil War so good. Um, but the visuals are so unique, and that Dormammu thing is so so unique that man, I wish we could just tie for third place here, but I guess if I'm giving the edge. I, I could give it to Doctor Strange the same way that Ant Man gets a lot of points for for being really unique to play with those elements. I think Doctor Strange does what I wish Ant Man did and leaned into it a lot more. Yeah. So so yeah, let's let's go for it. Doctor Strange third place in the final battle ranking. See, like it's not all bad here. It's not all yeah. bad. It's just it's it's a very 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 good sequence, uh, and it's like tightly paced and it is it is like a quick level up for Doctor Strange. So that's very satisfying is to see Stephen Strange level up in this regard. Like, all right, I got to really like, uh, I'm going to have to like doctor the shit out of this uh, sorcery situation. Uh, and he he does it. It's very, very clever. Um, so I I really love the, the whole final push of this. Um, do you want to talk about the movie overall? I think we could do this part and parcel with some feedback uh, because we've, we got, you know, 
you know, little uh, like bulleted reviews of the movie, uh, as we often do. This was from Luke. Luke said, Doctor Strange is my favorite part of Infinity War, but this movie just doesn't work for me. So many great actors wasted in uninteresting roles. Todd Enoch writes in, Strange's brand of arrogance is nowhere near as entertaining as Tony Stark's and his humor that largely doesn't land for me. Uh, I was pretty underwhelmed when I saw this in theaters, even with lowered rewatch expectations. It still doesn't click for me. Fractal fingers aside, little of the stuff trying to be trippy managed to elicit the sort of unsettling feelings I'm sure it was going for. Everything feels too structured, too rigid, too CGI'd. The Ancient One may talk about endless possibilities, but the magic is just the same handful of gags recycled again and again. Plus, as much as I love Rachel McAdams and everything, I wish they could have found a role for her other than superfluous former love interest using a completely unrelated comic book character's name. Um, from uh, we, we, got a, we got this other one. Uh, this is from Mike Edwards. Uh, I think my biggest problem is that they tried to do the Tony Stark redemption arc that they spread out over at least two movies in one movie for Doctor Strange. And the whole movie just feels like a shallow retelling of the Iron Man story. Um, that doesn't tell like the full story of our of our rank of our rankings. Um, because again, there's, there's a 5.5 in here for Dr. Strange, Kevin, there's a five, <laughs> there's a 5.8 in here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> for Dr. Strange. You know, there are people who, who love this movie to those people. I, I really am sorry for just trashing your favorite. It's not my, I don't take delight in yucking your yum. Um, but I, but I'm, I must be true to my, to my feeling here. Unless that yum is Thor to dark world. I can agree with you. You know, there are some yums that I would be happy to yuck. I, I, I take no pleasure in, in yucking the yum of Dr. Strange. I want to find this so delicious and tasty instead, Kevin, I, I'm, I'm putting it at a three out of six for myself, uh, which is what I have Iron Man two at. Because (laughs) if I look into the truth of the matter, I enjoyed rewatching Iron Man 2 more than I enjoyed rewatching Doctor Strange. And yet I can acknowledge that one is a better movie than the other. But I think that it's like it's closer than uh, maybe like the popular consensus uh, has it, at least for me. So I'm just going to keep them at the same place. And if I if you were to tell me that that's cheap and I have to take a stand and one must move over the other. Fine, you can tell me to do that. But then Doctor Strange is going to get a two point nine. Oof. I, I I I don't know if I agree with that. I definitely enjoyed this movie more than I enjoyed Iron Man 2 for so many reasons. Um, I didn't give it that much higher. I gave it a 3.5, but I do think that 0.5 for me comes from all that stuff I did mention, the super unique ending battle, the visuals, which are out of control. There's There really is no other movie that looks like this in the Marvel Universe, I don't think, uh, in the MCU. Um, the visuals are just really, really cool and really fascinating, and the chase sequences where when they're bouncing around buildings is really cool. Gets me excited for again taking that to the level of multiverse of madness. Are they going to be hopping, doing a chase sequence where they're jumping from reality to reality, whether that be an actual reality that has an Earth or one that's more chaotic, like what we see in this movie? Like the, the, the visuals are so good. The ending battle is so unique. And again, I'm going to give it up to the acting being so great that I have to give this a 3.5. I have to throw it up higher than um, than Iron Man two because even though this 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 plot is sort of predictable. The, the the latter half of it is really good, whereas in Iron Man two, the re- all of it was so, sort of like the so like there's still so much more in this movie with a strong strong second and third act. I think um, gives it a three point five at least in my opinion. Uh, I, I I can't see it being the Iron Man two level. Yeah, it's at an Iron Man two level for me, man. It is, and I would put it a little bit lower, maybe. But I think that that's really mean, and I'm not going to do it. Uh, maybe even a little wild and crazy to do that, so I'm not going to do it. 
the audience is higher than both of us, 3.6. It gets a 3.35 overall. It's in the 10th position. It is only above Thor, Iron Man 2, The Incredible Hulk, and Thor The Dark World. And looking at the movies that are that are still to come in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Kevin, I don't know what's going to rank below Doctor Strange. There, there, are, there are only two contenders to my mind. We may be coming up on one next week, depending on how some people think about it. But I'm going to be pretty high on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, personally. Uh, that may be a, a crazy take, but I'm gonna. I, I like that movie a lot, and it has one of my favorite, uh, one of like the most emotional uh, moments in any of these movies for me in in GOTG Volume Two. I started watching it the other day. It's like, where's all the hate coming from? I'm really enjoying this. Um, but like maybe Ant Man and the Wasp, but I think that's probably better than this too. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, I I, I think this to me this is the lowest we're gonna get. Um, for the rest of the the rest of the watch, um, which isn't again that low. Um, the next, I think, four movies <laughs> are going to be a goddamn joy because, <laughs> yeah. like, I we are about to hit a streak of possible sixes across the board. Um, I yeah, I'm 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 ready to talk Geo uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two when it happens. I haven't rewatched it yet, but I love that one. I actually think you know from my memory, I like it more than the first. So it's going to be very high for me as well. Um, and certainly the, the three after that. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> um, but like even Ant-Man and the Wasp, I do think I liked, I liked more. Now that said, look at where Ant-Man's lying on our ratings, right? It's right above this one. I think in a similar way, this Ant-Man suffered for me in the same way that where it's just like, hey, it was fine. It was a thing that happened. Okay. But then the sequel, I actually enjoyed liking a lot more. So but I, I, I think this, you know, this is not, Ammon Wasp is not going to be as low as Doctor Strange for me. And same thing with Captain Marvel. I think there's a lot of really cool, interesting stuff in there. Not to mention the nostalgia um, is going to play a factor as well to keep it from being as low as 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 this again, which is not even that low. We're not we're not like Iron Man, you know, um, uh, Iron Man two for me, and like Thor: The Dark World or Incredible Hulk level. But it is again just kind of middle of the road. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I know you said people love it, and not trying to yuck their yums, just personal thought there's a lot of good stuff in here i can agree with that but that's just it could have been so much more could've we could have had it all we could have had it all rolling in the strange yep. uh, well to to bring in um some more positivity on this front um the great professor strunk uh has has written in defense of this movie professor strunk writes in wiggler knows i'm a defender of dr strange i do know this professor strunk I'll lead with, to me, the two biggest downsides is what Strunk says. It's another story about a deeply flawed until he's redeemed white dude, and it fails to embrace the full potential of what magic could mean in its fight sequences, the way Infinity War and Endgame do. But a few positives. There's an excellent supporting cast. The visuals were bonkers in a theater. And I think hold up for the most part if you have a big enough TV. And the end battle was the most unique of any superhero movie I've seen and explains why Doctor Strange goes from being a novice to the Sorcerer Supreme. He had infinite opportunities to hone his skills with Dormammu. I think that's a good take. Uh, here's the primary point I will make in Doctor Strange's defense. This is still Strunk. It's the only movie in the MCU that explores spirituality. Stephen Strange tells the Ancient One, we're made of matter and nothing more. You're just another tiny momentary speck within an indifferent universe. Her response is, you think too little of yourself. And it's a powerful one because up until that point, we've been shown the exact opposite, that Strange is a narcissist on every level. The irony of her retort is that it accurately juxtaposes Strange's immense personal narcissism against his spiritual emptiness. And this message can be applied writ large in the MCU. 
We rightfully cheer when Scott Lang reunites with his daughter or the Guardians find family or Tony Snark, Stark snaps his fingers, Tony Stank. Um, but what, what is it all for if these people are, in Strange's words, tiny momentary specks within an indifferent universe? Yes, embracing that there is some sort of higher power that should inform one's pursuits is not revolutionary, mind-blowing, complex theology. It's basic. But again, this is the only MCU movie that comes anywhere close to broaching this topic. And I respect that. This is not a top-tier Marvel movie, but it's fun. Its visuals are a trip. And it stands for something. I think that's enough to make it a good MCU movie. That is from the great Professor Strunk. I mean, I, I agree uh, with a lot of it about the spirituality part. I do think that the the read was different um, when I when I was watching that scene where she says, uh, you think too little of yourself because he snaps back with like, oh, you can see right through me. I think she was purposely being sarcastic because he, he does have an ego um, and his ego is so he thinks he knows what the world is. And I think that is her sarcasm is that um, she's being sar- like she, she's throwing sarcasm at him because there is so much more in the world, but he refuses to see it. And at the end of it, obviously, he comes full circle uh, or not full circle. 180, not 360. I just watched uh, Last Action Hero. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I love that movie. It's, it's genius. But um, yeah, and, and I think, he, you know, he learns the, the truth of the matter in there. But I do agree about the spirituality part. It's really interesting. It's always... I don't know, man. It's so crazy to be in like the Marvel universe and a lot of these worlds where you're introduced to the idea of like higher powers. And yet, you know, some people are just like, I don't believe in, in, in a higher purpose and all that. And it's just like the literal gods like walking around right now. He's one's over there. Like, you know what I mean? It's so weird uh, in, in that context of the MCU uh, where you're where you're experiencing that, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, Caecilius is a villain. Uh, he he is of the Ronan the Accuser mold. He is of the Malekith mold. He's uh, not as bad as Malekith to me. <laughs> he's not. He's definitely not as bad as Malekith. And Malekith, I had as a two point one. But like, this is the same tier, right? Like, this is the same type of bad guy. Um, you know, uh, sort of like generic bad guy with caked on makeup, trying to destroy everything. Uh, and I think of this mold, I think Caecilius is my favorite. Uh, but it really leans so much on the Mister Doctor joke, which I think is just spectacular. It really does lean on the the Matt <laughs> Mickelson of it all. He's great, um, I, and I, I I just love him as an actor. You know, uh, Hannibal. Uh, he's very very weird in his uh, per, uh, his uh, performance capture for uh, for Death Stranding, the video game. I don't know if you played that, Kevin. I have not. So weird. I just got uh, to Animal Crossing, so I'm still far behind. Oh yeah, all right. We got to talk about that offline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so excited <laughs> i know i am i'm pretty pumped up but i'm I'm gonna give him a two and a half uh i gave malik a 2.1 i gave ronan a 2.2 two and a half is probably even higher than i should give him but i'm just gonna give him a 2.5 it's just easy yeah i mean i gave him a two i liked him because of the mads mickelson of it all but like i just wish there was a little bit more to it and again i feel like I, it's weird that so many of these movies fall into this trap and i wish i could like maybe do a thesis on this but the idea of like the main first villain almost has to be because I guess if it's like so much of this is like you're coming into filling in your father's role or you have a mentor and the mentor has to die. Like it's just all this thing where the, the main villain is not associated with the hero. It's just it's the it's the villain of his their dad or mentor. That's that's who it is. And the hero will now take the spot and face that villain and the son will become the father or something. I don't know. But this just falls into prey for that. And I just 
I just wish there was a little bit more. And, and you know, there is a villain that that's coming up that actually goes against that to an extent that actually does do that, but I think works. Um, and we'll be seeing that villain very shortly, who I'm going to rank very high. But um, yeah, it's just weird, man. I, two is, from, is where it's at for me. I, I just, again, wish Mads Mikkelsen and a lot of other people had a lot more to do in this, in this film. Um, there's two post-credit scenes to talk through. Um, there's the Thor teaser. And that scene is straight out of Ragnarok, right? So I was actually trying to remember that. I, I don't think it is. I think, I think they refilm and reshoot it because I think the beats are different. Um, I think they, it's weird because that moment in Ragnarok feels like it almost doesn't belong there. Yeah. Uh, which is odd. Um, yeah. So I need, I need to know this because it's very important for my ranking. Uh, cause if this is just a scene straight from Ragnarok, then just like, you know, by virtue of the, the way I've done this, I got to give it like a one. Um, but if, but if it's not and it's like a little bit different, the spirit of the scene is just really, really great. This is gonna, it would be like a four. Yeah. Uh, and, so I don't know. I, I'm not sure either. I mean, I have it as a four and part of me still is going to leave it there. Even if it's a scene right out of Ragnarok, because while I've ranked the other ones pretty low, I'm still pumped about Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's got me kind of like, yes, that's coming up. I'm excited for it. Um, so, but, you, you know, know, I'll just, I'll lockstep with you because I'm, I'm really pumped up for it as well. So I'll just give this a four. That's easy. Nice. Well, yeah. And, and it's a, it's a fun that. beat. Yeah. I will say though, I'm uh the the second post credit scene with more though and with uh Benjamin Bratt's character I really liked the first time and I still really like it. I actually gave that scene a 5 yeah. because you have to I I think you have to be connected to the character. I, I you see I'm here's not. the thing though. I don't I don't think it's the character. I think what they do in this scene is actually really good and keeps what a post credit scene almost should be. The post credit scene in these movies have so become Almost like they're either like really goofy or they're just setting up the broader MCU. And I feel like this does a good job of accomplishing an actual real post credit scene. Like, I think it tells us something about Mordo. We left the movie not fully knowing, not knowing the direction he was going to go. It revealed, I think, his villainous twist. Yes, it did it. It did it in a way that felt almost tense. Like you could feel the tension in there. You saw what he did to Benjamin Bratt. I thought that was a great little kind of compelling action beat. And it sets up the sequel. It sets up the sequel to this specific film. It actually gave us new information and set up a sequel that has a lot of potential. And I think when I'm looking at post-credit scenes and what they could and probably should be, like we love the the funness of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but this is what post-credit scenes should really do. Tell us some new information and get us excited about what's to come, especially in within the movie uh, thread itself. And I think that did a really good job. And so for me, it's a five. I think just because of what it is as a post-credit scene, I, I had to give it a little bit higher. And I know I'm way out uh, from the majority of rankings on that. Yeah, it's a 3.3 is the average. I'm a three on it. And I think I think it's just because I, I just don't care about the character that much. Um, but, you know, that it, this could be this could be a, a really high variance one for me, like depending on what they do with Mordo in the sequel. Um, and I'm 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 excited because I I love Chiwetelli Ejiofor. I think he's a tremendous tremendous actor. Um, he's the bad guy in Serenity, right? Yeah, I actually I, I think I, that was my first exposure to him. Same, uh, bad guy in Serenity was my first exposure. I actually it's funny because I think I mentioned this on the last podcast we did where I bizarrely watched um, Serenity and oh man, what's the other movie he's in that I just watched? But another movie with him in it, and I was like, man, if I'd done Doctor Strange this week, I would have had right. three movies uh, yeah. with him with him rocking out. What was that last one? I don't know. You're close though. You're close enough. 
Yeah, he's good in he's good in everything he's done. I think was he also in Four Brothers? I don't know. Was that Terrence? I don't remember. Um, but yeah, he's he's such a phenomenal actor. He's a really um, good actor. Yeah. I I I hope I hope he gets what Benedict Wong got in Infinity War. You know, like even even just like the limited amount of Benedict Wong in Infinity War is so so good. Uh, you know, he's just he's he's really really fun there. So I I hope that the the sequels, if Mordo is coming back. Uh, I just hope that they give him a, a really good story. Um, all right. It's another sequel coming up next week. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, some people low on this one. I'm pretty high on it. Hopefully, we can uh, have an interesting discussion as to to why maybe some people are low on it, why I'm high on it. I think, Kevin, you like it as well. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think uh, I've I've seen a few of the takes that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is the best movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's really... Uh, extreme for me um but i i really do enjoy this movie so much uh and i think the question for me will be where does it stack up with the first guardians of the galaxy which i know is going to be a wild thing for some people so uh good thing uh you have a very small window of time to get your feedback in because we're actually recording this podcast very soon due to my schedule uh where i will be unable to record podcasts next week so kevin and i are going to be recording guardians of the galaxy 2 early on the off chance you are listening to this podcast on july 29th it's your final day to send in feedback <laughs> for this podcast so, so do it quickly and we can always do pickups uh for for the week after guardians too um but that's coming next super at postshowrecaps.com that's the email address you can also tweet at us at round howard at kev mahadeo at postshowrecaps kevin Doctor Strange fans, do you think Doctor Strange Twitter's coming at us? Uh, are, are they coming to bargain for uh, a redo of the podcast? I think the uh, the Cumberbatch, as they're called, Cumberbatch fans, are going to come after us. I don't know if they're actually called that, but I just thought of that. <laughs> I thought it could work pretty well. Yeah, I don't know what they're called either. I know that uh, there's many of them and that I'm scared to incite their ire, but... Uh, I mean, there's a lot of also Sherlock Holmes, I think, in this. You know, speaking of a lot of those, I think that the Cumberbatch fans come from Sherlock Holmes and his uh, portrayal of the character in Sherlock. Um, and there was a lot. I think even the musical cue is very Sherlock Holmesy, which is interesting for this movie. I think they drew a lot of that um, fandom into into his portrayal here. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Doctor Strange is in the books. I think it's all uh, it's all up from here. Yeah, I'm I'm very pumped about the next series of films. It has some of my favorite villains. It has some of my favorite movies. Um, I think we're on the streak now of also just like some of my top villains in the MCU are about to hit um, in a row. And I'm really pumped about that. There's going to be a lot of sixes coming for me soon, which is going to be crazy since I've given so few of them. I think I've given like one six. Oh, man, I can't wait to talk about weird CGI flashback Kurt Russell next week. Such an odd. You and your weird CGI flashbacks. I watch the mouth. I'm telling you, look at the mouth. It's the tell. It's very weird. I looked at it on Tony Stark. I didn't see it, Josh. I didn't see it, but I'll look look deep in Kurt Russell's mouth. I just actually saw him because I rewatched Sky High. He's so great. Uh, I just watched The Thing for the first time. The first time? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, Joshua. (laughs) Oh my God. It was, that was a lot. It's so good. It's so good. It's one of the yeah. best horror movies, I think, in existence. I think yeah. that's unquestionable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. It's great. It's, it's, it's great. a wild ride. All right. Wild ride continues. Everything is super. Uh, we will be back very soon with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Until then, everybody, take care. Goodbye. Bye.